0: Fitness Pro Mentor community, welcome to another episode of the Fitness Pro Mentors podcast. I'm here to teach you as much as I can about developing your in-person personal training business. And I love interviewing exercise titans like Mr. Dan Garner, someone who's done some amazing things. Dan, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing awesome, dude. Thanks so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here and to talk some shop with you. Dan, honestly,
0: when I was thinking about this show, I started it and I thought about you immediately. I'm like, no, no, no.
1: Dan's got cool stuff
0: going on. I got to build a little bit of notoriety before I reach out to him, so I'm truly honored to have you, man. Um, awesome. I was—we were just talking about it. It's been a while since you and I have seen each other, but you've—you've uh, uh, you've done some cool stuff since you were in that RTS class with me all the way till now, man. You've—you
1: got a lot going on. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I—I uh, I stay busy, I stay hungry, I stay consistent, and when you do those things, uh, cool things happen. But uh, yeah, it's been—it's probably been five years since the RTS, right? It's got—I think
0: it's. It's been seven, I think because my Strat has been open for six and a half and then I yeah. taught at, it was it was seven I think it was seven years now, which is just bonkers.
1: Wow, that's crazy time flies. yeah dude that was an awesome course by the way that was a that was a killer course. you're a killer presenter and uh, that's like one of the prime reasons why i'm I'm happy to come back on here dude talking shop with you is, is a blast.
0: Dude, then I'm, thank you so much. And I mean, honestly, same for you. And I, I was just, I want to like, cause we're going to get into all the cool stuff you've done and I'm excited about it. Cause you've got a lot of cool things to share, but I remember one thing that you came to one of the courses, I think upper extremity, I can't remember. And you asked me at the end of the course, Hey, listen, I'm about to go do my first presentation in front of people. Do you have any recommendation? Do you remember that you're flying out to BC to speak in front of a group of people? And yeah. then now you're just like King talking to everybody, dude. It's awesome. The huge change. <laughs>
1: thanks man yeah back in the day that's, that's something i'll do like i've never afraid to have the white belt mentality so if somebody's better at something that i'm trying to do i don't have too much of an ego to say hey you know brandon can you help me out i don't know how to public speak dude i don't know what's going on <laughs> so uh yeah dude uh, been doing tons of seminars and, and lectures now so those uh those butterflies are gone but back in the day they were there <laughs>
0: So on that note, I mean, you are now you're public speaking, you've got a few different organizations that you're involved with, and you're doing really incredible stuff. Uh, I know some of my audience have heard of you and they've seen because you're doing some really great things with high level athletes. And then some people are relatively new to the Dan Gardner experience. I was just Mm -hmm. wondering, do you mind telling a little bit about your origin story from even just being a personal trainer to where you are today?
1: Sure. So origin story to who I am today. And I mean, who I am today, I struggle to find my job title or job description. I'm all over the place. But I started as a a personal trainer at Gold's Gym. So uh, I started all the way uh, at the base level where pretty much everybody starts. And you basically, you start there because you I freaking love health and fitness because nobody gets into personal training because of the money, which like it's not really, it's not this enormous lucrative thing. When you're first starting out, you don't say, you know, when you, when you're a kid in high school, you don't say, okay, now if I'm interested in really making money, should I be a personal trainer or should I be a lawyer? It's like, no one's like, okay, I better be a personal trainer. So, uh, you go into it because you're passionate and that's what I was and I personally, I had the my gear was hard work because I found out pretty early that um, it, you can have pretty quick and immediate authority in health and fitness if you have a lot of success in bodybuilding, or if you have a lot of personal success in uh, athletics, or if you have like some sort of a PhD or something. I had none of these things. (laughs) I I didn't have a bodybuilding physique. I didn't have an amazing sports history. And I certainly didn't have a PhD. So I was like, okay, hard work's the only gear I got. And I'm going to read research and do as many certifications as I can, which is what, you know, how I met you. I did as much education certifications, everything I could, and then slowly kind of worked my way up the ladder. And, uh, with that, I'm now working with pro athletes and, uh, Uh, pro athletes and different celebrities and actors i've coached uh, an olympic gold medalist an olympic silver medalist two olympic bronze medalists uh two ufc world title winners. i mean the the list goes on and on and on and i've been in the online world since 2012 so i've been doing the online uh, fitness entrepreneur thing for this will be my 10th year So through hockeytraining.com, through different ventures like that, I've had a lot of experience in the online world. And uh, with that, I mean, there's so much to discuss. I do my seminars. I've got courses, all kinds of stuff. I stay busy.
0: Yeah, man. Well, we're going to pick into some of that busyness, man, because there's some really cool things there. But there was when I was preparing to launch Fitness Pro Mentors, I remember I reached out to you and just said, Hey, listen, you've been doing some amazing stuff in this online space. And if I want to start educating people, do you have any recommendations? And you sent me a webinar that you did an event several a few years ago, you put on YouTube, unlisted secret video. So everyone But you gave away one piece of advice in there. And it was when you were doing the gold's gym thing. You talked about differentiating yourself and carving out a niche and that yeah. you were in this gym. You didn't have the specialty of the PhD, the bodybuilding, the incredible athletic story, but you had this, the board of all the different bios of the trainers on the wall and you categorized yourself in a different way to help niche down, even though you were sorta doing the same thing as everyone else, but you did have some smaller expertise in this way. And that
1: niching down yeah. did help you scale up. I mean, do you mind speaking to that? Sure. Yeah. So uh, like, I don't really always like the term hack. But if there is ever a success hack in this world, it's calling yourself a specialist. If you can call yourself a specialist in something, it's going to allow you to separate yourself from the pack because on the on the wall, it was, you know, uh, all the personal trainers there, Karen, personal trainer, Marsden, personal trainer, Elaine, personal trainer, Dan, personal trainer and nutrition specialist. So that was just like, hey, what? You know, a lot of uh, the other coaches there I didn't really realize how advantageous that was for me because I just called myself strength coach and nutrition specialist. And whenever you call yourself a specialist, people immediately kind of give you that authority that I was saying I lacked that in, when, I, when I first started out. So then you get that authority, you separate yourself from the pack, you don't look like everybody else. And then a specialist, you know, generalists make general money specialists make specialist money your your rates can go up because you have that kind of prestige about you and then you'll also get attention from people who aren't even necessarily in that because they're like oh you're a nutrition specialist do you know anything about hockey nutrition oh you're a nutrition specialist do you know anything about rehabilitation nutrition and the, the questions it basically just begins the conversation and when you begin the conversation that's really all you need that was like uh one thing i used to always do back in the gold's gym days was uh i would actually say did someone tell you to ask for me this is actually kind of funny um i would always say that so if someone was like hey hey d- do you know how to build the glutes i would say did someone tell you to ask for me and they're like no i say well i'm your guy i know how to do it let's go let's rock and roll all right hey dan do you, do you know anything like about the thyroid Hey, did someone tell you to ask for me? I'm your guy. Because it, it was, it, they would immediately, it broke the ice because they'd be like, well, <laughs> no. But then it also instantly built trust because I thought, yeah, you know, I was almost giving them the inclination that uh, they were asking the, the guy to speak to. I say, I'm your guy. It was It was like the same routine. Did someone tell you to ask for me? I'm your guy. Let's go. So that specialist kind of invited people to ask me questions so that I could say, did someone tell you to ask for me so that I could say, I'm your guy. And then uh, that worked like for someone, because I'm a terrible at sales. So those little things helped me a lot close deals and uh, get people's trust.
0: Yeah, man. Well, I mean, if you already carved out that kind of like soft niche uh, where you're saying, well, I'm the nutrition specialist. And then that, Mm. did someone tell you to ask for me? I mean, that's kind of like a reverse negative soft comfortable sales tax, you've already kind of built a bunch of trust. So when people come in, you got to do the sales thing at Gold's. I mean, at least at that time, I mean, you already pre-sold them man. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And then I I always say too, no niche is too small. So that's something I talked about a lot in that presentation too, is that you want to become the guy of any certain situation. So like, for example, if if I Googled, I live in London, Ontario. So if I Googled London, Ontario realtor, I would get, you know, 200 people pop up. But if you become the condo guy or the office space guy, well, then you can dominate a niche. And there's no niche too small. Even the smallest niche you can possibly think about will make you a multimillionaire. So instead of, you know, and this is how I kind of branched into different worlds, because instead of just being uh, a personal trainer, I was the hockey performance specialist right? The specialist thing still rocking and rolling um, as part of my business model. And when you have two people, let's say we have two, if, if I'm a mom and I don't go to the gym, but my son loves hockey and I've got two trainers of equal qualification, but one calls himself the hockey training specialist. I'm, I'm going to go 10 times out of 10 with the hockey training specialist, not to mention the mom who doesn't know training doesn't understand certifications and qualifications anyways she's really just looking at your job title so you can position yourself as a dominator of a niche and i think that i didn't know what i was doing at the time but that really helped me uh, because i had i had no money beginning beginning my career that you a lot of people they feel they feel so um I guess, intimidated because they think they need to have ad spend, tons of marketing, all of this stuff. But when you dominate a niche, people find you. People, re- people Google hockey training and I have hockeytraining.com. Like, so when, when you niche yourself down, then people find you. You don't have to find people and your marketing budget can be this big rather than this big.
0: You know, it's been, that was a gigantic paradigm shift for me right after it meant about six years ago when I opened this place because of the resistance training specialist education. I was comfortable that I knew I could work with everyone. I'd done work with some Dallas stars athletes and gone to those camps. That was fun. worked with a bunch of seniors and AKP people. And so I opened this place as a very, I promoted it as a, we can work with everybody because we could work with everybody, but then I started seeing that you know the, ho- the the athletes were going to the athlete athlete academies, and then the hockey kids were going to the hockey academies, and then the hockey athletes that wanted to go faster went to the hockey speed skating academy. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it was just all these small niches. And it was like, okay, we need to like we need to focus on one thing because if you speak to everyone, you end up speaking to no one. Right. What I want to ask you though is is if someone's getting started, I've seen mixed reviews on this and I have a thought and I want to hear yours. Someone's brand new to the training online, whatever space they're in. Do you think that someone should start off as a generalist to get their business model and get some rudiments down sales chops, communication stops to get their feet wet? Or do you think people should start trying to have a niche at the very beginning and scale and become an expert for that niche and kind of go through the growing pains with that?
1: I think both approaches are are applicable honestly. I think that if you started as a specialist then that could really help you, but I think if if I had to pick one, I would probably begin as a generalist to get as much experience as I can because even within a niche you're going to have different demographics. If I'm a hockey specialist, I still have to work with a men's league I still have to work with a a recreational women. I still have to work with a youth hockey player. I could work with an NHL hockey player. So even within a niche, there's like, it's like generalized specific, if that makes sense, because you're still going to run into a lot of different demographics. And I think that it's important to get your sales chops, uh, get your communication, get your program design skill going, learn new things, because there's a lot of stuff that like I've learned from one niche that I'll still apply to the other industries have carryover. I also think that you would have to be an incredibly self-aware person to know exactly what niche you want to do from the word go. I think <laughs> by being general, you give yourself the opportunity to have the self-awareness to choose your true, true passion rather than just pick a niche that you think is going to be good for your wallet.
0: Yeah, no, no, I couldn't agree more. I love it. So on that note, uh, you went from Gold's Gym nutrition specialist, and you transitioned into a very organic growth of HockeyTraining.com to something that's become quite an amazing organization. Can you tell us a little bit about HockeyTraining.com before I start asking some nitty-gritty questions about it?
1: Sure, sure. So HockeyTraining.com, is, uh, it used to be called Off-IceHockeyTraining.com until we started doing really well. We were able to afford the domain HockeyTraining.com. But um, that's like one of the best investments we've ever made just from an SEL perspective. But I joined hockey. Hockey training actually existed before me. Um, it, it started in about 2010 with, uh, with uh, three guys. And then it wasn't really doing that well because... One guy was really good at marketing and business and the other guys were supposed to be the training coaches, but like one was an accountant and one other was an investing guy. Like they had played hockey, but they weren't really strength and conditioning coaches. So then I actually came on in 2012 and those two other guys got fired when I came on. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> true story. And then me, me and, uh, Kevin, my business partner now, uh, we've been building it since 2012. And uh, we, uh, we've really stayed niche. We've stayed organic, uh, but now we're killing it. Like uh, next year, we'll, we'll have 100,000 YouTube subscribers. We're at about 93,000 right That's now. Nice. Um, that's where we've put in a lot of our chips for uh, business growth. We've got fifty thousand Instagram subscribers, and this is all like really important. We get over four hundred thousand um, views each and every single month um, exactly. from hockey parents and players. So, for over four hundred thousand per month, and we've been doing that for years. That's nothing new. Um, we're the number one hockey training website in the world. That's that's Google's analytics, not ours. Um, we we've we've really dominated this niche and we're continuing to do so. And uh, that's that's really hockey training. We've put a lot of our chips for people who are familiar with some of the growth strategies. uh, YouTube and SEO have been like our real prime vehicles for driving revenue to our business.
0: That's awesome. So, I want to ask more about that because I mean, you said it's been an organic growth and that's absolutely fantastic. So, if someone, I mean, can you speak to that? I mean, YouTube and SEO, like what happened in 2012? What kind of things did you guys focus on and what transitions and growing pains or progressions did you go through with that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so. There's a lot of growing pains with businesses and there's no one way to make a business there there are many different ways that you can arrive at the at an end point you look at the even just the biographies of some of the most famous people like steve jobs and elon musk and all these guys there's many different ways to achieve an end point now with hockey training we've never not been profitable we grow lean and we keep the business we've never taken on debt once so we've uh, we've it. always grown lean. yeah, that's just that's just how we've done it to uh, ensure that we can pay our bills and uh, keep going. And SEO has been really big for us. and I think for any trainer, because I think I speak for a lot of personal trainers when i when I talk about strategies where you you don't need a huge marketing budget, and that's why I'm so big on SEO. um SEO, if anybody's not familiar, it's search engine optimization. So what you're essentially doing is you are thinking what the customer is going to google i don't care what you're interested in you want to think about what the customer is going to google so i'll i'll uh, i'll create an article right and i'll want to call it transitioning from gpp to spp for high velocity strength right i'll want to call it that but instead i'll call it what's the best hockey workout or something like that. Something that they would type in because no one's gonna type in transitioning from GPP to SPP for high velocity, zero people. not And certainly not my customer um, because I'm trying to reach out to the parent who can afford training for their kid. So when you dominate certain terms, you could type in now, if you type in hockey training, Dryland hockey training, hockey endurance, what to drink during hockey, pre-game hockey meal. We dominate every single one. So whenever anybody types anything about hockey training, we show up. So that means we show up high on Google's first page. So we don't have to buy an advertisement to be on the first page. Because we've put in our chips in the world of SEO. And the two biggest search engines in the entire world are Google and YouTube. That's why I'm enormous on articles and videos. Those two things rank. And when you rank well, you don't have to spend as much money. And that's so big for a personal trainer who needs to grow lean
0: i think anyone who just listened to dan say that you need to go back and re-listen to that because there were some (laughs) huge gems in there because i mean you're talking about really the science of the current online infrastructure of how people can find you and i think that that's absolutely critical i joke around with our students that come through i'm like strata internal performance it's the worst business name because honestly it's exactly what you said because it's that whole (laughs) i picked a long big jargony name and honestly i love it everyone just calls it strata but no one google searches internal performance like that's my nerdy that was a bad idea but the (laughs) seo i think that's absolutely brilliant is like well what is mom going to google search when they're looking for their hockey kits what to drink during hockey um that's huge and key and i'm sure over the years you've tried different things and and searched and figured okay these keywords i thought were going to work but mom didn't search these and then you refine them over time to help exponentially grow
1: for sure yeah we've we've definitely refined those over time on both youtube and on google for uh for more power in those areas but it's also it's also just kind of lends back to the beginning of our conversation of why it's so important to niche because if you're trying to rank for fat loss right now good luck yeah. but if you want to rank for hockey fat loss you've got a lot better of a chance or if you want to rank for lacrosse fat loss if you want to rank for to skateboard fat loss, whatever it's going to be, you've got a way better chance because you are speaking now to one person. And that's also going to improve your, your conversion rates for getting prospects into customers or followers into customers, because you're speaking to them. You're not speaking to everybody at that point.
0: Yeah, I don't, I know. I mean, you're a guitar player. I was about to speak about drums and I know that's absolutely sick pictures. They're awesome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I accidentally, I mean, you said that I know you can niche down and you think that there's a lot of opportunity to make money with almost all niches. I think I accidentally in one section, niche down a little too far. And I'll tell you where, as I, and I'm not doing this business right now. I got a book that's coming out next year, spoiler alert. But um, I did a video on YouTube for drummers, and I wrote Pain-Free Drumming. And it was more an ad hoc video because a buddy of mine had back pain, and he said, F the drums because my back hurts from the drums. So I made a video, and that video got like 150,000 views within the year. Nice. Uh, yeah, and so my that YouTube on the drum stuff, I put a bunch of videos out, and it's got thousands of subscribers. It got me a, a magazine deal for a couple of years. I got a little bit of money wow. from it. But it's, it's so niche that it's like musician land, drum land, pain-free drum set land. <laughs> and so it was really yeah. an interesting exercise. I actually used it to develop all of these video chops, which yeah. is great. Um, and so that has turned into a big lesson. And I think that's a great thing. I mean, I don't know. Actually, I want to know, have you done this? I kind of did it merely as a business exercise experiment. Have you tried anything as an experiment that was extremely fruitful that you think
1: someone else could benefit from doing? Um, I think everything's kind of an experiment <laughs> like, to, to, to some degree. Everything's kind of an experiment. Yeah. I think the one thing that I would recommend other people try to do, but this is a little bit down the road is you get people, get people locked into you and don't give them the opportunity to leave. Uh, you do this by following, say the Peloton model. So if, if you want to get a Peloton bike, first of all, you're spending two, three grand on the bike and then you wanna get use out of that bike. But in order to get use out of that bike, you have to pay 40 bucks a month in membership fees. So now you've not only bought the exercise equipment that you feel obligated to use, but now you're stuck in that recurring revenue because if you stay out of that, then you're kind of admitting to yourself, shit, now I've just got this kind of like useless piece of equipment that I'm not gonna use. So one thing that we did at Hockey Training, uh, we've got an, an app called Hockey Training TV, is that we create equipment And then this equipment allows you to do the workouts on the hockey training app at home. So when someone has that quick emotional moment of, oh, my God, I want the edge work drill. Well, then they get the piece of equipment. But now in order to use it, they got to stay in our app and we got you locked in. So that's something that I think that other people could gain a lot of value from. Um, Just get them locked in, baby. That's that's really important.
0: I think it's important, though, because, I mean, now you've got multiple tiers of the product, right? You have a, a lifetime value final destination that people can come in, they spend the big thing, they get the new products that are coming out, and they stay in your community. And that also mm-hmm. just helps to build the bottom end of your thing. And there's it's awesome. I mean, you can ultimately have a 1,000 people at that lower price point. That already helps to keep your app and everything growing. And then you have these other new things coming out smart move, man. Very, very smart. Where do you think, okay, so on the hockey training, where do you think a trainer, like how could a trainer optimize that? They're a one-on-one personal trainer. How could they keep people in their world, in your opinion, like that?
1: Um, a lot of that comes down to kind of like my original business philosophy is you just got to be good at what you do. So I think that some coaches, they, uh, they want to actually, you know, quote unquote, blow up their business too soon. They actually want to do it a little too soon. And it actually hurts you, believe it or not, because if you're not skilled yet, but you're getting a lot of attention, then a lot of people are going to see you say dumb things. you (laughs) You don't want to buy ads and drive a ton of traffic to an imperfect product. Because if your product isn't good, or if your content is not well thought through, or if you're doing something because you think it's going to make you money, but ultimately it's not your true expertise, you don't want traffic yet. I actually like not having traffic. I kind of miss those days because back in the day, I could have a stupid post and it wouldn't have mattered. But now more people are watching, and I got to be way more careful. It's like Nike. If Nike does a post now that's really wrong, well, then they are going to get blown up in the media and from hate. So they don't have the luxury of experimentation anymore. They've got to, with their market research, they got to be pretty freaking dialed in on absolutely everything that they do. Whereas the trainer who's trying to explode their online presence because they think followers equals money. And that's, that's another thing we can get into. That's absolutely not true. Um, They think followers equals money. So they want to drive a ton of traffic to their imperfect business. Dude, use this time right now to master what you've currently got. So when you ask me a question, like what, how can a trainer leverage people sticking with them? Now, you just simply have to be good at what you do. Because people buy from people. And this is the people industry. So if I, if I, uh, for example, I'll, I'll, let's just say I'm watching a commercial and a new show is on TV. I don't really care. But if my best friend says, hey, dude, have you seen that new show? It's freaking sick. I am a 100% a million times more likely now to give it a chance. And that's what a trainer in the beginning has to do. They have to provide such a killer service that... People talk to people about them because people buy from people. They don't buy from commercials. So get that freaking reputation, get that skill set rocking and rolling. And then when you're confident, drive traffic to you because now you're ready.
0: 100%. You got to have the machine ready. So tell me more about this followers does not equal money thing. I agree, but I want to hear what you're thinking.
1: Sure. um, Followers. First of all, you wouldn't imagine how many people have contacted me who have 10 times the followers I have and make 10 times as less than I do. They're looking for advice, even though they have an enormous following. And that's because a follower is not a customer. That's a, that's a real problem that people can run into. Look, you can be a multimillionaire. If you have a thousand loyal people, it does not take a lot. If you have a thousand loyal people buying your products and staying subscribed to you, then you will 100% be a millionaire and you will not have nearly the same kind of stress. Whereas somebody who's chasing followers, you're getting attention, but you're not getting customers. So the only way that works in a, from a business model perspective is if you're selling ad space. So if I'm a super hot chick, then I can get a ton of followers if my business model is to do a post on perfume and get a hundred grand from it and then do a post and get sponsored by a clothing company and get a hundred grand from that if you want to essentially sell ad space because you have so many followers then that's really the only business model that works however let's just stay in the conversation of being a hot chick if i am a hot girl and i am posting pictures of my great body Am I going to get more creepy male followers or am I going to get more fitness females following me? I'm going to get a whole lot of creepy males. Okay. Rhetorical question. I'm going to get a whole lot more creepy males. So then when I'm a hot girl and then the moment I come out with my glute program or my uh, femme fatale fitness program, whatever it's going to be, you're now speaking to a bunch of creepy dudes who will never buy your product. So now your engagement's going to be terrible which means that the algorithm will actually hurt you. Instagram will punish you for that. If you put out a post that gets horrible engagement, you will be punished because their algorithm says, hey, this creator actually doesn't make a lot of good content. I don't wanna rank their posts very high because I want people to spend more time on Instagram so I can sell more ads. So if this person's content sucks, I'm gonna put them far down in the newsfeed. So not only are your followers not customers, but now you're ranking poorly for the things that are actually going to make you money. So stay lean, stay organic. And I always say, instead of building a following, you should build a community.
0: Yes. 100%. I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about one thing you said that made me laugh because it's a hundred percent true. Um, I think being healthy and in shape, and I saw you do a post on this recently, is a relatively important thing if you're going to be in this field, because it just helps, in my opinion, to showcase that you are embodying the philosophies that you're, you're sharing. And I don't think you need to be, I mean, you got an incredible shape recently. I think that's incredible. I think that helps. But, and I did the, a bodybuilding show a few years ago, same kind of thing. But for me, when I did my bodybuilding show, and I don't know if you've got this right now, I, you know, when I was a kid, I always thought if I got an incredible shape, women, you know. They become it for me. But no, no, no. It's always these dudes who are it's like the dudes. <laughs> what, what are you doing, man? You look really good. I want to look yeah. and you're like, oh, this did
1: not work well. Are you having yeah. that right now? Yeah, dude. Yeah, you didn't you didn't think it through because you're like, <laughs> you think you're gonna get more looks from girls. They don't care at all. You just get more dudes asking you what you're doing, and you're just like, Man, this is not what I just dis- <laughs> this is not the intended effect. But yeah, be, being in shape is important for business, though, but it's not the only thing. Uh, And because there's a lot of people who are in phenomenal shape who have terrible businesses. Mm -hmm. And then me, for example, I work with professional athletes. I've I've never been a professional athlete in my life. So it's like you don't have to do that to the extreme that a lot of people think, but you do need to be good at business and be good at helping others. So let's go back to that. So one, one more question,
0: then I want to get to some of the athlete stuff, because there's some things I would love to just pick your brain on here, what kind of revelations you've had over the years. But so hockey training, you guys went grounds up, you did a bunch of SEO, YouTube stuff. I mean, the notoriety speaks for itself. If you haven't listening or you're watching this, heard of hockey training, go check out the app, go check out the content. It's super clean, really, really crisp. I, I mean, you guys do great videography. I know you're spending a bunch on cameras gear. It shows. Yeah. Right. Um, from that, how did that springboard to doing kind of like gen population athletes that want to get in shape and prepare, you know, dryland
1: training to ice training to you working with pro
0: NHL athletes?
1: So how it kind of the bridge there. Uh, so what happened was it was in 2014, I believe. Um, I, I had already been making tons of content, you know, seven days a week working hard. And that's like one of the things I I always cut you. I want to tell young bucks getting in the industry. You never know who's watching. So don't half-ass anything. Do everything and look, be proud of it. Be proud of it before you release it. That's so important because what happened to me was I was uh, working, um, doing my own personal training, but then also working at hockeytraining.com. And then I'm creating a ton of content And then all of a sudden a strength and conditioning coach from Southern California, and I'm a Canadian boy. So a strength and conditioning coach from Southern California emails me and he says, Hey Dan, absolutely love your content. I'm working with 10 NFL athletes and 10 NHL athletes this summer. Can you come down and help train us, uh, train them for the off season? I was like, okay <laughs> yeah and then uh, it's, it's funny because he's like asking me what i want to get paid and stuff i would have gone down there if the payment was a kick in the nuts i <laughs> i was i was ready to go because i was like wow th- this is freaking it so he this guy was reading my articles and i had built so much trust in him that he, we've never even talked And I had already pre-built so much trust with him because he had loved my content that he was trusting me with 20 professional athletes. And then what happened for me is that got me in the circle. And once you have your first few professional athletes, they start talking to each other. People buy from people. So if you do a really good job at what you do, that's what kind of leads into because these pros, a lot of them train at similar facilities. So the NHL guy will talk to the UFC guy, the UFC guy will talk to the MLB guy. And then you're in that circle and you're you become the man. So the big story from that though is that came from an article I did on hockey conditioning. That's when I received that email. So that was a real catalyst for me. So anything you do, you guys make it make it be proud of it that's so that's so goddamn important that you'd be proud of it because i guess what i'm trying to say is don't make a content schedule if you can't have it be a quality content schedule don't post every day if you have nothing to say it's fine to wait you actually hurt your engagement if you have a bad post so wait until you truly have something to say and then post it because you never know who's watching
0: So on that note there, the quality thing, because you've mentioned that a couple of times and I want to just I want to get your clarification for you, because one thing I tell my students all the time is if you have a great piece of information or sales copy language or a story to tell, make sure you practice it. And the wording is good. But I always say, like, don't worry so much if the video quality is not great the very first time. Make sure your delivery is good. And then work, you know. Work your way up with the content. So the thing I say is B plus implemented and consistently beats A plus procrastinated and not done. Would you disagree with that?
1: Um, with, with what exactly? Can the, you what's like the, the exact video,
0: question? The video stuff. Like if someone's video starting off, they're getting online, they're building their content, and they're videoing themselves with their iPhone, and but they've got a great story to tell. Yeah. Versus you know just like the ad hoc wobbly no story. Do you think it's the story that's the most important part in the delivery of the wording? Hell yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like videography and and expensive, expensive equipment and software and stuff like that is something you get down the road. Um, Quality beats uh, like the quality of your storytelling, the quality of your information is more important than anything else. If you look at my stuff back in the day from like a technical perspective, it's embarrassing. It is terrible, like it, like it, and that's kind of a thing you should always have. If you're not embarrassed of what you did five years ago, then you're not moving fast enough. But uh, when I look back at some stuff I did, it's so bad. Like the lighting, the camera angle, my writing on the whiteboard—what th- I thought looked good was so embarrassing. But the information was solid, and my delivery was solid, and that's what allowed me to grow. So. Yeah, don't get hung up on technology. Just get it freaking done. Man, yeah, couldn't
0: agree more. Now, meeting those 20 athletes, I mean, that's absolutely incredible. I want to ask you, so I, I'm, I still work. I, I don't work as many athletes right now. I've actually focused 100% on people who are struggling with pain and seniors because in my town, in Newmarket, you live close by. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. And I also when I started getting into the hockey stuff, I've got some family connections. I'll tell you you some stuff off air that's kind of fun, uh, which was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed it. But there was some immediate um, you're not with Gary Roberts opposition that popped up when I was flying around doing some of this stuff. And I know in this world, after talking to several different athletes, that there's a lot of athletes that love people like you, they love independent coaches, but there is a lot of politics that gets involved with the off ice, right? Agents have connections with specific training facilities, specific coaches, there's financial incentives. And then if the team, the team, the Florida Panthers has a connection with a specific coach in a seven spot or in Toronto, Gary Roberts has got a lot of monopoly. Uh, You have to go through all of these different mazes to get to a certain point. I mean, if you don't want me asking without giving away too many secrets, um, and you've got amazing information. You got that connection with that guy that called you, but over the years, how have you managed to deflect the awkward political barriers that some people come to
1: getting results? <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. You, you remove politics when you're the best. So that's uh the, and because also like people buy from people, like I said, if an athlete tells an athlete to go with Dan Garner, he doesn't care what his agent says. So that that's number one, be good at what you do. Uh, none of the business stuff like the business, getting good at business is absolutely fundamental to for success. Of course it is. But you got to be good at what you do. I can't I can't stress that enough. So being good will avoid politics because you're the man. I'm your guy. Right. I, I'm your guy. That, that, that is so absolutely key. And uh, I think another way around that, though, is to build relationships with agents directly. I've, I've got plenty of relationships with agents. And you'd be amazed at how easy it is to email an agent and pique their interest when you're looking to serve them. And when when you've got an agent who makes 5% on a deal of $5 million, well then he's getting six figures basically for writing his name down on a contract. So that agent is 100% willing to pay you 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 grand to work with that athlete because you're just a business expense to them. If that athlete lands a $5 million per year, five-year contract, that agent is getting freaking paid, man. So you actually, you're actually, you just an expense to them. So you don't even have to have the awkward conversation of pricing with the athlete, with the team, with anybody. You just go through the agent directly. So I, I guess it's a twofold answer. Be the guy who gets results and politics won't follow you. And also just be friends with agents because an agent will bring you 10, 20 prospects every single year. So you don't even have to sell.
0: Brilliant, dude. I love it, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, so here's my the next thing I'm thinking that you know, that gets me when you're, you're talking about all this, this brilliant stuff and these amazing people. And this, I don't get perturbed too easily, but I know some people that would. And how do you deal with the pressure, man? Because these people, like I know Michael Bisping and some like really other big names, like you mentioned, uh, there's a new baseball player you're working with and all these NHL yeah. guys. These people are, you know, six, seven, some of them eight figure athletes. And yeah. if one small thing goes wrong, Right, you're an easy scapegoat or coaches in comparison to them, and I'm just wondering, like, how have you dealt with that, and what kind of things have you done to become more resilient to that pressure?
1: Um, it's it's high stress, high reward. It's always worth it. Like that, that's kind of how I love I love being uncomfortable. To be honest, if if you're not if you're comfortable, you're not growing. If they, things should always be making you uncomfortable. If I only took on people that I'm comfortable with. Maybe I'll be successful, but I'm certainly not going to be fulfilled. So like those moments of discomfort, I actually kind of go toward rather than run away from. So dealing with that. I mean, sometimes I don't sleep. (laughs) Sometimes I work long days. Um, But man, if that doesn't make life worth living, I don't know what does. Overcoming a a hard challenge and being the guy people go to when they need results immediately feels really freaking good. So if somebody asked me, if the Lord came down right now and said, hey, Dan, you want a life of comfort or do you want to continue the life of discomfort? I'm going to choose discomfort 10 times out of 10. And if you can't deal with pressure, you probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur, anyways.
0: Dude, I yeah, I said this to one of my guys that work at the gym here, and I'm like, honestly, I love it when I'm doing the hardest stuff every single day. And if something's not challenging me in a big way and it's scaring me just a little bit, I just yeah. don't find it fulfilling.
1: <laughs> I was just I was just on an Instagram live last night with uh, Dr. Andy Galpin, and the people were talking, and I was I actually said on the live, I love it when someone's blood work's fucked up. I love it cuz then I'm just like okay I got to figure this guy out this is going to be it's a fun it's fun for it to be a tough case study. I like when I haven't seen something and when it's something I haven't seen before because you know a new challenge overcome is a new strength gained.
0: Yeah, I love it man. I and honestly I think I think that's an important thing because I mean for this fitness pro mentor stuff at, in April when we were locked down I'm like listen I got to I, I want to do something I want to work on my chops as a business person. And frankly, I'm going to invest some money and time into this. And if it fails, screw it. I'm not going to let it fail. But if it does, it'll be an incredible lesson to move forward because it scared the crap out of me starting an entire new thing. Hence why I reached out to you. Much respect to you. So I love it, man. When you get messed up stuff, it's absolutely the
1: best. Dude, for sure. The, The lessons you learn when you mess things up are way more valuable than when everything's going great. So with all, I got two more athlete questions that come to the top of my mind. So with, with these
0: different athletes, right? The ultimate fighter guys, which is insane. UFC guys, um, hockey guys, MLB. Is there one particular athlete that you enjoy working with more like one demographic? And is there a reason why?
1: Um, it's different reasons for different demographics. Like, uh, Uh, UFC is that's personally my favorite sport. So like, I I just love watching dudes fight in the cage. I'm 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 a, I'm a barbarian that way. So I, that's my favorite sport. I've been watching UFC since before it was popular. I was actually, I, I was all the way back in like 2003. I was actually, up at like two or three in the morning streaming events from japan because that's when pride was really big at the time yeah dude that's when it was big i was watching that stuff live and none of my friends were so uh, i think i get a lot of fulfillment from fights also when you have a fighter and they're like it's a different kind of intensity because like if you watch a football game or a hockey game they're absolutely intense but they're like two hours long whereas in a fight it's short and one second it can be done so it's it's super wild when you when you're emotionally invested in and someone becomes your friend and then you watch them step into a cage it's a whole different thing so i get fulfillment a lot of fulfillment from ufc um i really like working with nfl players because uh something about the american football system man they really respect their coach um are they, yes coach no coach i'll do it coach It's like, it's so different. You'll get a guy, a football player, who's like 12, 13, 14. And they, it's like military almost. Like the the American football system, the way they listen to me is a different animal compared to any other sports. They are ready to work and put their bodies on the line. So I love that about football players. One thing I found uh, with MLB players is, I don't know why. But they're super well-informed. The, the MLB guys I've talked to, and with respect to training methodology, nutrition methodology, even keeping their own spreadsheets and tracking things, the MLB guys, it's like I'm going in and there's not really a learning curve. They, For whatever reason, they're, they're ready to rock and roll from a knowledge perspective. And then hockey players, I'm Canadian. I'm all in. So there's a, there's all kind of fami- fulfillment already coming from there. So that's a real easy one. So I don't like any particular one more than the other because I love them all for different reasons.
0: I don't know what it is. I mean, I spend a lot more time around hockey guys and there's definitely like, I'm a skater musician at heart with some athlete on the side and they're so much more chill and relaxed when you're talking to them and yeah. any football player, like we interviewed Mark Megna, and I mean, he's incredible retired NFL guy and uh, so intense, but so focused, yeah. but also like an incredible listener. And if you say you need to do these five things, like, like military, like you said, they'll military. do it. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So, Here's a weird one. And I know that when I taught the RTS program and you were part of it, I talked about this there, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, The number of trainers that I meet, because I get a lot of students that come through our program at different levels and trainers all see the holy grail of being a fitness professional is working with athletes and professional athletes. All of them see that as like that's the top, top level. And I openly tell them like, listen, this is a really, really competitive sector you're trying to get into. Even if you get there, there's a thousand people behind you who will work for less and work for free. Mm -hmm. And I always from a niche perspective, not I shouldn't say always, but I encourage them to look at populations like Earl Nightingale says, whatever direction everyone else is going, try to go to the complete opposite direction. And so I encourage them to look at these seniors and these um, retired people because no one's servicing them. And I'm just wondering if someone asked you that same question, they're like, hey, Dan, I'm a new trainer. I want to work with pro athletes. Do you have any thoughts or philosophy around that or things that you say typically?
1: Um, n- nothing. No, like canned speeches or anything for them <laughs> other than the, the exact idea that are you wanting to work with pro athletes because you think that's the top of the mountain? Or are you wanting to work with pro athletes because that's what you love doing? Because one is going to get you success and the other won't. If you want to work with pro athletes so you can get attention and notoriety and money, none of those three things will find you. But if you want to work with athletes because you freaking love seeing them succeed and not you succeed, then the, then that's when actually it'll follow you. So I, I, what I would say to people is that if you want to work with pro athletes and you truly want to do that, you still want to niche down because people talk to people. That's, that's At least that's the road that I took. But if you don't want to work with pro athletes, you can be a multimillionaire working with the elderly. You can be a multimillionaire working with uh, at, um, a, a whatever, an injured, a handicapped facility. You can be a multimillionaire working anywhere, any niche. Like, I, I really think no niche is too small if you dominate it. So follow your passion. It, it sounds corny, but it's absolutely the truth because nothing, nothing is worse than when you have financial success without emotional fulfillment.
0: Nothing is worse than when you have financial success without emotional fulfillment. Yeah, 100%. I was actually going to tell a story and the way you finished that was perfect. When I opened this place, so one of the things, I mean, you know, I've been teaching for a while. Uh, I've I've learned a lot of sales and marketing tactics and I'm also, I think, okay at technically what I do. And when I first opened this gym, I had one of my clients who was a manufacturer and salesperson for this glass distribution construction company, and they needed a salesperson. And it was like the first seven or eight months actually of being open here. And he looks at me, he goes, do you want to make $200,000 a year? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great start. He goes, great. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what if you close this place and you come work for me, I can give you this salary right now on top of commission and you want to come in for an interview. Don't do anything yet, but just in case you want to come talk to me. And in his opinion, he looked at it as two ways that I had the skills and he wanted to bring me into that world. And second, because I was in the training land, he saw it as a fragile business and thought, Hey, well, I'm going to try and help this guy out, which I thought was really interesting. So, Mm -hmm. I instantly shot it down. So I was like, oh, I see. No, no, I'm good, man. I'm in love with this. And I never looked back. I like bringing it up because for me, like you just said, I'm super passionate about this and I want to try to help people. Have you ever had any point where all the skills and knowledge you've amassed for all these different fitness and health companies, have you ever had a point where you thought about maybe I'll take these skills and apply it to a different world?
1: No, I don't think so. I, I don't think I, I ever would. There, there was a moment in um, uh, two moments actually in my life where I was beyond broke. Like if someone had given me 10 grand, I'd still have no money in the bank just because of debt. So th- there was a, two of those moments that really stand out to me where I was like, what in the fuck am I going to do? But what I did was stay in the industry and ground it out. I never had another option. I've never gone and tried to apply it to different things. I never went to go get a nine to five. I never did any of those things. I, uh, I always, that's like the one thing that the, the the most genius thing I ever did was I always had, well, what do they know approach? I just constantly stayed on the fricking grind and made it happen. So, and if you don't have that mentality, then again, I'm not sure you should be an entrepreneur because if you aren't your biggest fan There's going to be a lot of people that don't support you. So you've got to be your own biggest fan. You've got to be your own biggest believer. And if you don't bring that to the table, the industry might just eat you alive. So stay strong and bring your skills to what you know you're skillful in.
0: My mom is a purchaser of random knickknacks for Christmas. I don't know if you know (laughs) what I'm talking about, but like handles and random stuff. And she got me this one little metal paperweight thing, which I don't even use paper. So I don't know why she got me a paperweight, but it had a quote on it. And it said, "Work hard in silence, and let success be your noise." And when I had, that's actually become my favorite. I don't like knickknacks, but it's my favorite <laughs> act because of what it says. And honestly, Dan, with all this stuff that you've shared, it's really when I think of you, I really think of that. And it's not because it's not until the last few months that you've reengaged on social media to talk about some of the things you're doing, but you mm-hmm. ghosted it, you closed it, and you just focused on grinding white belt syndrome, like you said, and yeah. really making it happen. And so. I man, like that's where everything you're sharing, I echo many of the sentiments that you've shared today because I mean, I mean, you've done things at an incredible level. I really appreciate it. And I love that. I know you could close all your social media accounts. And if I never saw you for 10 years, I know you'd still be doing the exact same thing, putting your nose down, figuring it out. You don't know how this screw goes in that piece of wood. That's fine. Ask someone and figure it out, man. So it's, it's honorable. And I, I appreciate you a lot, man, Like a lot.
1: Thanks, bro. Yeah, I left social media for one and a half years, but the getting results allowed the referrals to keep coming in. So nothing ever slowed down. I just kept getting better at my craft and then came back when I had some new cool stuff to say.
0: You always got new cool stuff to say, man. (laughs) So I got one last question and I feel like a chump for not asking this kind of thing sooner because it is your expertise. I mean, you've done empirically all this amazing stuff with the business and you've done incredible things, but you're, I mean, you're the nutrition, you're a very high level focused on nutrition in a way that I don't know many people that have and in the performance world within the nutrition training land is there any one thing right now that you're studying that you're just over
1: the moon excited about blood chemistry blood Blood chemistry chemistry is unbelievably underutilized oh man the um, when i'm looking into the literature of and i mean the average blood chemistry that your insurance will cover um that you get from your yearly doctor it's a cbc and cmp the complete blood count and comprehensive metabolic panel you can get both those from your doc every year it's going to be if it's not already covered by your insurance, it's going to be like 20, 40 bucks. People have no idea what they can draw from that with respect to health optimization, performance optimization, recovery optimization. Um, even if things are normal within the reference range, it may not be normal because of the ratios with each other. Taking certain metrics and incorporating them into calculations to get exact measures on things such as hydration. There's so, there is, the literature is unbelievable. In the world of blood chemistry to the point where that's kind of actually going to be a business venture I'm going to get into in 2020 is to create software so people can input their blood results into my software and it will spit out all of the things that they should be doing with their diet.
0: Holy crap, man. Well, when you get that out there, let me know because I get my blood work every year proactively and I would love to check it out. And I think that that would be an incredible tool for personal trainers. Any any health fitness professional because they put that in there and they get like a little equation or step-by-step plan from you like just to get the ball rolling. That's absolutely brilliant, man.
1: There's so much. There's, there's so, so much. I'm actually creating the document of my optimal reference ranges, my optimal ratios, as well as what calculations can be drawn upon um, from the lab work and it already has over 150 scientific references attached to it. There is people have no idea the depth that they're missing from their basic blood chemistry. And that's what I really want to change the industry with.
0: Dude, when you release that product, please let me know and let's get you back on because we've got a pretty decent sized community here of people in that nerdy personal training land. And I think that it will be awesome to talk about it, explode it, check out the app. We can even try and get the video up and uh, have some fun with that. That sounds absolutely brilliant.
1: For sure. That that lab based nutrition is what I'm doing with my pro athletes. So I'm basically just going to put my brain into a software so you guys can get the exact same treatment.
0: Excellent, man. Dan, listen, I think that's a great place to put a pin in today. Is there anything you want to share before we uh, we round out today?
1: No, I think just uh, I, I post uh, some pretty cool stuff over at Dan Garner Nutrition on Instagram. That's probably yep. the main spot to find me. But besides that, uh, I don't want to tell you to go too many other places cause I want to come back real soon. So, uh, will we'll chat again soon, brother.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dan, listen, thank you so much. Anyone who listened to this, I mean, Dan shared so much information so fast. He speaks like me, which I love. And so go back, <laughs> re-listen to this episode and check out those nuggets because there's tons of small sentences of wisdom in there that you'll absolutely benefit from. So Dan, again, thank you so much, man. Uh, we'll get you back on as soon as your app's ready. Thanks dude. All right, man. Talk to you soon.
1: See ya.